Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Tuesday edition of the program. Complete coverage here each and every day of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective as well. Glad to have you with us. A reminder here at the very top, if you can't catch the live show at 11 a.m. each day, make sure you catch us as a podcast. You can search on Apple Podcasts and really wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is type in the search bar, the Hoosier Report. You can search, find us, subscribe. It's free. You can listen on demand. And no matter how you join us each day, glad to have you with us here on the program. Big story today. I think it's Michael Penix. Yesterday, Coach Allen, just as we went off the air uh, for our Monday program, was having his weekly press conference to start the week. And he said that Michael Penix will remain Indiana's starting quarterback for this upcoming game against Western Kentucky University. In fact, his uh, statement was this, quote, Michael Penix is our starting quarterback and and I believe in him with 100 percent of my heart. Uh, that is what Tom Allen said yesterday. It sounds like the x-rays uh, came back negative. That was also mentioned at the press conference yesterday. And it sounds like that there's a great chance uh, that they expect Penix to be ready to go this weekend when Indiana goes on the road for a game at Western Kentucky. So Penix getting the nod, getting the boost of confidence. I think it's the right call, especially this early in the season with Western Kentucky coming up. But again, as we've discussed each and every uh, week so far of the college football season, uh, there have been some concerns with Michael Penix. Going back to the Iowa game, he just didn't look ready at all. Indiana was never in that contest. He seemed to be never in that contest himself. Better against Idaho, a lackluster team. And he had some good moments, I thought, in the first half against Cincinnati where he was making some long passes and, and bouncing on his feet like he normally does, uh, but just not Michael Penix that I think we all were built up, hyped up for, and expected to see. So we'll see if he can get it going. Maybe Western Kentucky is a good mix of an, a defensive-level opponent that he can uh, begin to get things put back together. And, and Again, he's not been bad, but he's thrown some picks. Those have not been good, and he clearly just doesn't look to play with the confidence maybe that he did before his ACL injury a year ago. So that's the big news with IU football. An important road game coming up this week. Obviously, Indiana has got to win that one, and you would think win that one even on the road uh, with a little bit of boost to it and get ready for Penn State, who is playing some really good football right now. Let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in a few moments. We have our Zaxby's headlines. 
a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll talk IU football. Uh, remember uh, the uh, Stetson commit, uh, Luke Brown from Blackford? He played at New Albany, was a prolific scorer, uh, had a great chance at one point before some injuries in his high school career to break the scoring record set by Damon Bailey. Uh, we, we No one could figure out why he went to Stetson. Well, he's already entered the transfer portal and I meant to get to this yesterday, but we just ran out of time. So I'm going to discuss that for a moment. Could an in-state school, could a, maybe a Butler or Purdue even uh, get Luke Brown? Does he make sense for IU to look at? Are there any openings at this point? Although the uh, obviously the transfer situation uh, is, is still there, even though the season, the school year underway. We'll discuss that coming up. Some good words on OG Ananobi, a couple high, couple high school football notes as well. We'll cover all that here in this first segment brought to you by Zaxby's. Later in the show, Rick Bozich, WDRB Sports, joins us. We'll take a look at IU football, his thoughts on the Hoosiers and Penix and so much more coming out of the weekend and the loss to Cincinnati. And we'll talk the Big Ten as well. I'm curious, Rick's thoughts. Ohio State, I'm not sure about them this season. I don't have uh, the same feeling about the Buckeyes uh, uh, this far into the season that I normally do. Penn State is playing well. Iowa, I think, is really good and may be the best defense for sure in the Big Ten Conference, so we'll get Rick's thoughts on Big Ten, and we're going to come back and talk about some of the local teams. I'm curious his thoughts on U of L and especially Kentucky. They seem to be playing some really good football, and then this weekend had a real scare against uh, UT Chattanooga uh, at home, so we'll discuss that and a lot more. Probably get into little hoops with Rick when he joins us later as well. And then always on Tuesdays, Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, joins later in the program. We'll get into some more basketball stuff with him, a little recruiting as well. And that's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's get into our Zaxby's headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Obviously, Penix, the big news, he's going to remain as the starter. He should be healthy to play uh, this weekend against Western Kentucky. Tom Allen yesterday also taking some opportunity as press conference to really uh, get into the targeting rule in college football. We uh, uncovered this some yesterday on the show with Zach Ostrom, and it, it really, I, I get the point of the rule. It makes sense. You want football players to uh, have a chance to be as healthy and safe, obviously, as possible, but uh, this season so far, so many big-time defensive players uh, in these big college football games have been taken out because of targeting calls. And Coach Allen went on a little bit of a rant. He doesn't rant like a lot of coaches. He's much more, I think, guarded and even professional and much more positive at times than other coaches would be when they lose someone like Micah McFadden uh, in the heart of a key game where clearly that – I don't know that it was the difference maker, but it clearly was part of the result on Saturday. But I thought it was interesting. Normally an all-positive Coach Allen – did take a little time to share his thoughts, his opinions on that, that it did, does need to be addressed, the rule does need to be looked at. Could you see maybe different levels of targeting, a targeting one, a targeting two, like we've seen with some things in basketball? I think that makes sense and is a uh, somewhat easy way to fix or suffice the problem. Uh, but definitely something that I, I've noticed, not just in that IU game on Saturday, but in a lot of other college football games uh, that I've watched so far this season. That has really played an impact, I think, in the results of some of those games. Also, I saw a story from Dennis Dodd 
of CBS Sports this morning, and he wrote that the Big Ten, all of a sudden, it's fun. There's some parody. There's some variety to it. It's not just Ohio State dominating. And, yes, the Buckeyes won this weekend, uh, but they didn't necessarily look great. And, of course, they were coming off their victory or their loss, I should say, uh, to Oregon a week ago. He highlighted uh, what he thought were some of the big games coming up, saying that, uh, obviously, Iowa's got great defense and talking that Penn State with how they defeated Auburn and how they're playing right now could very well be the best team in the conference. And, of course, keep in mind, after Western Kentucky this weekend, uh, Penn State on the road uh, at Happy Valley is who the Hoosiers have. So that's going to be very, very interesting, I think, to see how Indiana stacks up with Penn State at home, especially with the result of the IU-Penn State game a year ago where IU was able to sneak out the win on a somewhat controversial situation. But looking ahead, uh, some interesting games in the Big Ten. Michigan at Wisconsin coming up. Uh, on October 2nd, later on in the month, you've got Penn State at Iowa. That could be a huge Big Ten football game. That game is set for October 9th. Later in October, Michigan at Michigan State. Both of those teams have been surprises. Michigan and Michigan State both have good quarterbacks. The sophomore, his name escapes me from Michigan State. I saw him this weekend. He's really good or looks really good at this point of his career. They play each other on October 30th. Iowa's at Wisconsin, who's been very solid middle of the pack so far on October 30th. Penn State at Ohio State. I got Penn State as a big favorite in that game based on what I've seen so far. And there are other big games in November as well. Indiana, not on Dennis Dodd's list of any big games in the Big Ten Conference. And I think we all felt like at this season – Indiana would still be in the mix. Maybe they wouldn't be number one or number two in the conference, but they would be in the discussion with that top tier of teams, even if they were just a little outside of the discussion with Iowa, Penn State, and Ohio State. But obviously that's not the case after the results through the first three weeks of the college football season for the Hoosiers. But I do agree with his story. The Big Ten, I think, more interesting. It's no longer, this season at least, going to be just a pure domination for the most part by Ohio State. There is some variety. There is some parity. You've got top-level teams that are very good. And even that next level of teams, Wisconsin is solid, Michigan, Michigan State. I mentioned both of those guys have been surprises so far this season. And what does that mean for Indiana? Well, some of the games maybe that you counted as a for-sure win before the season or even after uh, some of these dismal performances where you shake your head, uh, they're no longer for-sure wins. Michigan State, Michigan, uh, not sure that we ever said Michigan was for-sure a win. Michigan State, you may have counted as a win in the offseason. Who could have known exactly what this team would look like? Uh, But they are both solid. They are both good. Also, on a basketball note, lots of discussion over the years about Luke Brown. He played at Blackford High School. He just really became a legend in Indiana high school basketball. Played uh, with his Blackford team at New Albany. Actually defeated the Bulldogs right before Christmas this past year. And had some interest from a lot of mid-major schools in the Midwest uh, and in the state somewhat, but ultimately chose Stetson. And I think everybody, a lot of people wrote into the show, people at the New Albany-Blackford game that night. Uh, The constant question was, can this kid not play uh, based on how he can shoot the basketball? Can he not play at the high major level somewhere 
in the college game? Could he not help Indiana last season with their shooting woes? Could Butler or someone else in the state not have made a strong push for him? Well, he's already announced that he is entering the transfer portal. He did not get a chance to see the Stetson campus because of COVID and because of all the NCAA restrictions around recruiting and visits during that time. So he is entering the transfer portal. He got there, realized it wasn't a fit for him. And now you wonder what could be next for him. Uh, he is going to have the chance to be, at some level, re-recruited. You've got to believe this time around there will be some in-state programs, whether it's mid-major uh, teams. And there's even been rumors that Purdue might be interested in making contact with uh, Luke Brown now that he's in the transfer portal. But uh, he was just a pure shooter, a pure scorer. Uh, great player. He even joined this radio program, I think, at least once, maybe a couple times, and was on pace to break Damon Bailey's scoring record in the state. And he had a couple injuries, especially when he was a little younger in his high school career, because he came right out of the gate as a freshman, putting up big numbers uh, in Indiana high school hoops. So Luke Brown, a free agent right now. And with this transfer portal, I mean, it's it's active all the time. I mean, there's no question about it. It's uh, uh, it's in September now, and we've got players that already uh, can decide to enter the portal and find their future college basketball home. But I think it's really going to be interesting to see where uh, Luke Brown winds up. He had been at Stetson over the summer, been working out with the team. Uh, he'd even signed an NIL deal with Barstool Athletics. Uh, so it's going to be real interesting to see what is neat for him. Hope he gets back in the state. That would be my hope. Hope he gets back around here where he can be followed by his fans and play college hoops close to where he was such a legend in the high school game. One other basketball note as well, Alex Bozich, who joins us Thursdays to talk IU hoops. He has been having a, a great breakdown of the top 25 projected top 25 players in the Big Ten Conference this year. And he talked about, though, 25 down to number six when he joined us last Thursday. But now they've gotten all the way down for five through number one. And his fifth best preseason player in the Big Ten Conference, Jaden Ivey of Purdue. Fourth, he has Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. Third, E.J. Liddell of Ohio State, the 6'7 junior forward. Second, Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, 7'1", sophomore center. And the best player, I think we all agree or all would go along with this in the Big Ten Conference this year, at least in the preseason, Kofi Coburn at Illinois, 7'0", junior center, who decided to return to the Illini after many people thought he would go the NBA route. How about this? IU's got a lot of interesting players for this year, a lot of different potential lineups, starting lineups, combinations as far as that goes. Trace Jackson Davis, the only IU player in Alex's ranking of the top 25 players in the Big Ten Conference. I think that will obviously change as we get into the season. I could uh, think of a couple suggestions that might be able to work their way into that list. But right now, based on what they've done in college or what they've done in the Big Ten Conference, you know, you don't have reason to rank a lot of these guys. There could be some on the list to watch out for. Uh, but TJD, the one guy in this list at number four, according to this preseason list put together by Inside the Hall and UM Hoops, the Michigan website as well. That's a look at our headlines for this Tuesday edition of the program. Getting ready for high school football. We go into week six 
on Friday night. Some uh, interesting games. Scottsburg at Charlestown, a big Mid-Southern Conference game. Charlestown has won three straight. Scottsburg 4-1 on the season. Their only loss so far has been to Silver Creek last Friday night. Floyd Central at Columbus East. Been a tough season for the Highlanders, but this isn't a normal Columbus East team. Can Highlanders be competitive on the road this week? Also love this game, Jeffersonville at Silver Creek. The Dragons are the big favorite in this first meeting between these two local schools. I hope this game becomes a rivalry, and I think over the years this could be a real good game involving Clark County teams. Bloomington North at New Albany. The Bulldogs get a challenge. I believe Bloomington North ranked number 10 in 5A football. Louisville Holy Cross is at Providence. Rock Creek goes to West Washington, and Clarksville will play at Perry Central. That's the lineup coming up Friday night for week six of Friday Night Lights here in southern Indiana. We'll head to a break. We're back with Rick Bozich of WDRB Sports. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Welcome back here on this Tuesday program. The great Rick Bozich of WDRB Sports, kind enough to join today. We're going to talk IU football, really Big Ten college football as a whole, and get into some basketball a little bit later in the segment. Rick, thanks for the time today. I've got to start with this, IU football 1-2, and two, and there have been some very concerning moments so far for the Hoosiers. Uh, definitely not the start that IU fans hope for and that many in the media uh, projected may happen. Your your thoughts on where this IU football team is at this season and some of the problems you've seen? Uh, well, thanks for having me, Matt. Um, where they're at is facing a must-win against Western Kentucky and would probably be a pretty difficult game uh, playing them in their home stadium in Bowling Green against a really good passing attack. Um, where they're at also is I think most people thought they would – probably split the two games against Cincinnati and Iowa, possibly lose them both. Um, but what has to be concerning is the way they lost them. Um, the Iowa game was over in the first five minutes uh, after they gave up a long run and a pick six. And then the Cincinnati game, they were dominant for 25 minutes. And Michael McFadden gets thrown out for targeting. And Michael Penix has another bad game. And, Offensive line really isn't playing well enough to beat good teams uh, to provide a running game, and they end up losing um, a game they should have won by two touchdowns. The fourth quarter was ugly. So now you you go to WKU, and then after that, I mean, it's at Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. I, I think aren't all three of those teams. Ohio State's lost one, but uh, they're all ranked. So it's I don't know a team that's – more challenging uh, schedule ahead of them. Yeah, no question. And I, I think I said in the last segment, talking about Michael Penix uh, should be available this weekend. Tom Allen saying he is going to remain the starting QB. 
I think I said the Western Kentucky game on the road is a game that IU obviously has to win, but they need to win with some momentum, not just a one touchdown win or a, a you know field goal three point win. And then you say Western Kentucky, one of the ba- best passing attacks in the country. And I was reading some other things you wrote recently about the Hilltoppers football team. This is going to be a very challenging game for Indiana. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, it's down there. Western was off last week, so they had a chance to get healthy and do an extra week of preparation. I'm sure Indiana's, um, you know, got some challenging moments in the locker room with people losing confidence or, you know, wondering, you know, is my starting spot secure and all those kinds of things and uh, probably hearing some of the grumbling from people saying, like, what's going on with this team? So. I agree with you. They need to win this game. I think they're favored by nine. They they need to win by a couple of touchdowns. And uh, the pass defense has been pretty – the defense in, in general has been pretty good. I mean, it was outstanding in the Cincinnati game until McFadden got thrown out. And you wouldn't think that one person could have that big of an effect on your defense. But whether it's his absence uh, physically or his absence spiritually, the defense – really took a step backwards after he got tossed. Rick Bozich, WDRB Sports, my guest. Yesterday, Coach Allen in his Monday press conference confirming that the x-rays were negative for Michael Penix uh, and that he gave him a, a wholehearted endorsement that at this point he 100% in his heart believes he you know, is the, is the guy for IU and he will remain as the starting quarterback. What's your reaction to that after we've seen Michael Penix, especially at Iowa, then look better against Idaho? I thought pretty good in the first half against Cincinnati, but still just not the guy that I remember before the ACL injury a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the right call, and I understand the call because I think when you have a team that you've you've got a guy who had a track record last year of being one of the top ten in a lot of statistical categories, top ten quarterbacks in the country, uh, and I think he's got Indiana's got a veteran team who with players who've grown up with Penix as their leader, and I, I don't think I also don't think all the problems are just on Penix. I mean. The, Freifogel dropped some balls on Saturday. Um, you know, the offensive line wasn't great. The running game isn't great. Uh, but if he has another game where he throws some of these unnecessary and reckless interceptions, then I think you, you do have to make a change. And I don't know whether it's a change permanently or it's just a change to get a spark because that's the alarming thing about Penix. I mean, that, that interception he threw at the end of the first half was just bad. He just needs to throw the ball away. And then the other one he threw in the end zone was also bad. And um, you can't you, – you, Indiana lived last year uh, creating turnovers there. I think they were plus 12 on the season or, or something like that. And and this year they're on the negative end of that. And, and you can't win. Dude. They're not good enough to overcome those kinds of problems. Rick Bozich, WDRB, my guest. Rick, the Big Ten – and if, if I, I'm not a big football guy, basketball obviously first, but if I'm going to watch college football outside of local teams like Indiana, it's going to be Big Ten Conference games for me. And it's been interesting so far. Iowa has been really good. Their defense is stifling in many ways. 
Uh, I thought Penn State, their victory was very impressive against Auburn on Saturday night. Uh, there have been some sleeper teams like Michigan State, even Michigan, that appear to be better than what they were projected to be in the offseason. And Ohio State, after that loss at Oregon, they did not win very convincingly over the weekend. And it looks like that this season in Big Ten Conference football isn't going to be dominated by the Buckeyes. And I think that adds variety and makes things a lot more interesting the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, Michigan State right now is in the um, discussion of most improved team in the country. Uh, Mel Tucker, I think he brought in a running back from Wake Forest who's top five in the country in rushing. They got in a bunch of other – they've been in the portal pretty actively and brought in a bunch of guys. Uh, And they went to Miami and won convincingly. Um, Maryland, I think it's won a conference road game against Illinois, and they I think they also beat West Virginia. Uh, so a couple of these games that I think almost everybody was marking down as automatic W's for Indiana before the season now are, are far from that. And so, um, you know, I, I think at this point, Indiana's goal needs to be to, to win six games and go to another bowl game. I mean, as long as you can keep the bowl game streak going, you hold on to some of the momentum. But, um, you know, they're, they're at a position now where I don't think that's assured. I told someone yesterday, I think the best thing, obviously you never know, Indiana could, could pull a major upset or two. You just you don't know. Penix could make a roaring comeback starting this week against Western Kentucky. We just don't know. That's why we watch the games. But the best thing for Indiana football, I think right now, would be to finish with six or seven wins at the best and go to a decent, mediocre bowl and actually you know, focus and, and get a bowl win. That would still right. be a success for this IU football program. I agree. And, and one thing people have to remember, and I know that it's not going to get any better, it's going to get worse because of, of who they have coming up, but I mean, they've played one of the hardest schedules in the country, and that is a mistake. I, you know, I, I know um, they had no control over playing Iowa the first game, but Iowa looks like the best team in the Big Ten at this point, and they played them on the road. Then they played Idaho and won the game, and then uh, Cincinnati, when they scheduled the game, wasn't what they are, but Cincinnati is, you know, they're a legit top ten team with a lot of veteran players, and Indiana was in position to win that game, looking good doing it for 25 minutes, but, you know, it's not like, and then playing at Western, playing Western in Bowling Green, to me, is dumb. Um, Louisville doesn't do it. They played them when, when the game was supposed to be against Western as Western's home game was in Nashville, Nashville uh, in the Titan Stadium. Same thing for Kentucky. Um, so this schedule with Cincinnati and Western on the road, with Western having an off week before Indiana plays them, bad scheduling. It really is. And uh, when you're a program like Indiana, I think it's you got to do what Kentucky does. You got to schedule three non-conference wins because you're playing nine conference games, not eight like they are in the SEC. You have to schedule three non-conference wins. Uh, that's how you keep your bowl streak going. And, and they didn't do that this year, and they may end up paying a pretty big price for it. Yeah, I think that is a very, very good point. Rick Bozich is my guest. Rick, let's talk about the other local teams here in our market. I know you give, uh, you see a lot of the Kentucky, a lot of Louisville as well. If I had had you on last Tuesday, I think the team of the area so far would maybe have been Kentucky after their win over Missouri and the start that they've had with their quarterback and some other standout players so far. But 
Then this past weekend, Kentucky, I didn't didn't watch the game. Uh, they're down or or just barely ahead, I should say, late in the contest and ended up ho- holding on for a 28-23 win over SCS team Chattanooga. Uh, what's going on with the Wildcats? They got off to such a great start against fairly decent competition. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a bit of a letdown. Um beating Missouri and then knowing they go back on the road to play South Carolina in part and, you know, might have had an off day. The other team had a good day. I didn't see the game either because it was going on at the same time as the IU game when I was in Bloomington. But uh, it's reflective of what I was just talking about. Kentucky could play their C game and still win. And today people are, you know, talking about, oh, they didn't look that good. And then a month from now they'll be saying, yeah, that was the game they barely won. And then two months from now it was just a win. But, but, you know, by the time you get to when it matters, it's just a win. It doesn't matter how you played. So they have the advantage of, you know, playing a team that they could um, perform at a C level and still win the game. Now, they, now, that's not the case this week. They need to go on. If they want to reach their potential, which I think is eight wins, uh, South Carolina on the road is one of the games they need to win. Rick, also UofL, a big-time win to kick off the weekend Friday night. Uh, for the Cardinals, so I thought they were in real trouble and even potentially Coach Satterfield in real trouble, but that type of victory can can change the course of a season. Who knows what's next, but that definitely was a difference-making win for UofL. Yeah, no question. I mean, that just shows you the margin between everybody being angry and everybody looking at the world you know, with a lot more optimistic outlook is – difference of the bounce of one pass uh they had the the bad interception which gave central Florida the ball central Florida's driving for the game-winning field goal and the guy throws a deflected pass that a guy who i think hadn't hardly played the whole game or that might have been his first play of the game intercepted and brings back for a touchdown and louisville wins and central florida on the final play of the game loses their quarterback to a broken collarbone on running one of those lateral plays so their season's gone south and now Louisville's playing a very winnable game against Florida State which now they want to fire their coach wow yeah absolutely Rick Bozich WDRB Sports this may be the toughest question I asked today uh, I think if if we were all sitting down uh, and, and you may have done this in fact I think you did at WDRB.com uh, if you were projecting records uh, for the three local college football teams, IU, Louisville, Kentucky, I think that most people would have projected Indiana to have the better record this season. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure that's the case now based on how the first three games have went. But from this point forward, with what you saw this weekend, Kentucky struggling a bit, could have just been a letdown game, as you said, with U L playing and getting a, a big, big win, playing well and getting a big win. And, of course, Indiana still lots of – Question marks sitting here is a little in front of midseason. Who do you think will be the most successful college football team among our local three? I think it'll be Kentucky. I picked them before the season uh, at eight wins, and I still think they'll get that. They should get South Carolina this weekend. That's four. Um, they got the advantage in within their division. I mean, Vanderbilt is bad they lost to east tennessee state it's a it's a new coach so that's another win on the road that's an easy if you're going to play on the road that's where you want to go this week's opponent shane beamer south carolina first year coach tennessee first year coach this year game in lexington uh so those three games get them to six i think they can beat 
Mississippi State on the road for seven, and I think they'll beat Louisville for eight. And they got one other one. I mean, there's uh, I think they play New Mexico State, so they should win eight or nine. Louisville, I picked before the season at six and six. I'm I'm still staying with that. I can them them beating Central Florida. I think gives them a chance to get to seven and five. And I had IU. I was on the pessimistic side before the season. I had Indiana at seven and five. A lot of people thought I was crazy because I was reading a lot of nine and threes and eight and fours. But um, I'd say at this point, Indiana's better shoot for six and six. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rick, I, I, let's flip to some basketball real quick here before we let you go. I had a couple people say this to me, and one person yesterday wrote in uh, that the uh, UofL like, Louisville Live event at Churchill Downs, and I know you probably weren't there because you – we're at the IU Cincinnati football game, but I saw pictures that Eric Crawford posted on Facebook, and someone wrote in that what an awesome environment it was to tie horse racing with basketball and outdoors and a really neat setup, and it's these type of things you have to do to be attractive to recruits nowadays. And I give kudos to, to U of L and, and Coach Mack and the people behind the scenes that put these events together because I thought the Fourth Street Live setup a few years ago was really different, really cool, and it just works. I think in a city like Louisville. But the point of this couple conversations was Indiana needs to do more things like this. Indiana needs to to get away from just traditional stuff, keep the traditions, but modify some things and be a little bit more of a front runner when it comes to edgy things or doing more modern things. And and I, I like that stuff. I, I think the idea to do it at Churchill Downs was amazing. But in Bloomington, to have any sort of basketball event, whether it's a practice or a, a slam dunk contest or a fan fest type environment, to do it away from Assembly Hall and the tradition that is there with Midnight Madness back years ago and now Hoosier Hysteria more recently, I just can't ever see that. Maybe not. I don't know. There, there's some fresh blood in there now. They're doing some different things, social media wise, and other things. I, I think they they might. I think Scott Dolson would be amenable to somebody, something like that if somebody came with them, came to him with a plan of how to execute it. Um, I don't know. You'd have to have, I guess, a rain date uh, if you scheduled something and put it in at Memorial Stadium or put it in the soccer stadium or wherever you would uh, would put a court outside. I don't know, but. Uh, I, I I also applaud Louisville. I think they've tried to be forward thinking. And when Patino was there, he didn't like to do any of those kind of you know preseason glitzy things uh, for whatever reason. And and Chris Mack hasn't looked at it that way. And I I it's it's oriented towards younger fans and recruits. And um, I know that some of the more established fans pay the bills, but they don't have to come to these things. And you can. It's a way you can grow your fan base, you can energize your fan base, and you can um, you know, make your fan base a little younger. Rick, final question for you. I want to touch on Mike Woodson, and we had a good conversation when you were on a few weeks ago about Coach Woodson and his start uh, in Bloomington. But I, I knew this going in to, to him being hired, and it, it has nothing to do with him specifically, but more so just college hoops right now and in, in the way of the world. Every player – uh, when they are recruited to, to college basketball, they they want to find a path to the NBA. That's just the the dream, it seems, of every college basketball player, of every high school basketball player. Uh, and Mike Woodson, I think maybe I undervalued his undervalued that whole point when he was hired because since he's been hired, when I talk with 
high school coaches, of players that he and his staff are recruiting or have offered or in some cases have committed to the Hoosiers. Uh, that is the number one thing, whether it's on this show in an interview or whether it's just a text message conversation checking in with one of them. Players, parents, their advisors, their travel team coaches, their high school coaches – Everybody raves not only about him as a person, but his NBA ability, his knowledge to get their specific player to that level. And that, in our world, it's it's going on everywhere uh, in college hoops, but what an advantage Indiana has. And that, I think, is going to be the chief recruiting tool that Mike Woodson brings to the table when he goes after some of these big names in Bloomington. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a number of players have mentioned it, and I think I also undervalued it when I first heard Woods' name as a candidate, but uh, he does seem to have an ability to relate to younger guys, to explain to them what he knows about the league, and when he sits down and talks to them and looks at their video or whatever, say, this, these are some of the things you do that would be, you know, would translate well, but here's where you got got to get better and get guys to pay attention to that, and um, I think it has been a, a, a definite plus for him. Plus, you know, I, I think Kenya Hunter and Yasir Rosemond and, and Dane Fife have, have brought more energy and, and relatability to the recruiting trail than the staff that Archie Miller had. It seemed like when Archie Miller had uh, his staff there that it was just Archie and Tom Ostrom, and that was it. I don't really remember that. Bruiser Flint, maybe a guy or two, but – you know, I don't think Schilling got a bunch of guys, and Mike Roberts, I never really remember anybody that he got, and I think that, that Mike's got a better staff. And I also think that Thad Mata is probably behind the scenes doing some stuff to help to help them out. So at this point, the staff looks sound, and I think the next step will be uh, for players to actually watch to see how Indiana plays and say, you know, is the stuff that he's been talking about theoretically actually stuff that Indiana's doing? Absolutely. Rick Bozich, WDRB Sports. You can read his work at WDRB.com. Rick, always appreciate the time and the knowledge, and we'll catch up with you down the road a bit. All right. Always good to talk to you, Matt. Absolutely. Rick Bozich, kind enough to join us here on this Tuesday edition of the program. As we head to commercial break, saw a story earlier that according to a poll of 15 different NBA executives conducted by Hoops Hype, which is an NBA website, OG Ananobi came in fourth place on a list of potential breakout candidates uh, for this upcoming season. So the former IU player, big athlete, big defensive player as well, uh, with the potential to uh, really break out. I think he's had a solid NBA career already with the Toronto Raptors. We'll head to a break. We'll come back and talk more IU football and a little hoops as well with Mike Pegram of Peaks.com. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Tuesday edition of the program. Mike Pegram of Peaks.com will join to talk some IU hoops and maybe a little football here in just a few moments. But uh, following up on our conversation in the last segment with Rick Bozich of WDRB Sports at Western Kentucky, and as Rick talks about WKU, obviously 
probably a bigger challenge than what most would expect on the road for the Hoosiers this weekend. At Penn State coming up the following week, we know how good Penn State, the Nittany Lions, have been so far this season. Then it's Michigan State homecoming in Bloomington, and Michigan State would be a candidate right now for one of the biggest surprises, maybe in college football and definitely in the Big Ten Conference. Following Michigan State, it's a home game against Ohio State, then a trip to Maryland on the road back at Michigan the following week. And uh, that gets us through early November. So the IU football schedule, especially this week, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, that four-game stretch, uh, very, very tough. And you wonder how things will shake out for the Hoosiers as they move through that tough portion of the schedule. Mike Pegram, Pigs.com, is with us. We're going to talk some IU basketball and recruiting to start. But before I get there, Mike, I did not mention this yesterday on the show, uh, and I wanted to get you to comment on it, but IU Athletics announced over the weekend the loss of Chief Medical Officer uh, Dr. Andy Hipskind, uh, who passed away Saturday. He had a long battle with cancer. I did not know him, but I think most around IU Athletics in some form or fashion knew who he was, what he meant to the entire athletic program, and really just a terrible loss for a very young man. Yeah, and my interaction had with him was he was a terrific guy, very well spoken, and uh, and the outpouring of response to that shows what a great guy he was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he got his start with the football program, is that correct? And then moved into a more senior role with the entire athletics department. Yeah, I think he played some part in all the COVID stuff for all the university and figuring out what all to do with that. But uh, yeah, just tremendous loss. Mike, let's get into basketball. One of the things that's been lost over the weekend, coming out of the weekend because of all the football discussion, was the fact that Jeremy Fears was on IU's campus for an official visit. He's from Illinois originally, is playing high school basketball this season up in LaPorte, Indiana at La Lemire, and he's one of the top point guards in the class of 2023. I think he's ranked number 20 overall in the country right now. He is a big-time player, and he had a chance to check out Bloomington and what game day in Bloomington looks like over the weekend. Yeah, this is a guy they've been involved with for, for a while now, and, and uh, I don't think it was his first trip to Indiana, but it was first time to with, with you know, a full at stadium and, and uh, the atmosphere and everything that was present. He's just up in the uh, Chicago area, from that area, but he actually plays in Indiana, Laporte, Indiana, Lalamere. And Indiana's done a lot of early groundwork to put themselves in a really good position, but so has Illinois. And, but Indiana's really prioritizing a point guard from that class. Several players they've already offered and uh, really trying to build for the future. And and, and no better guy than, than Jeremy Fears. I've watched him play. He plays really hard, really defends the ball, and he's really a pure point guard. Looks to, to pass first. Also, Mike, uh, Kwame Evans is uh, going yeah. to take a visit to IU. This uh, is interesting. He's a 2023 player, very noted player. He's going to take visits to Texas and Ohio State in October before the season, official visits. And then he's already said after the high school season at Montverde, well, he'll play alongside uh, Jalen hood Shafino and some other prospects that I use recruiting, uh, that he's going to take a visit to Indiana, Kentucky, and Memphis. So who knows if Indiana gets some of these big names, but Mike Woodson continues and his staff continue to go after some of the very best prospects that are out there in the 2023 and now 2024 classes. 
Yeah, it was a similar situation with, with Jalen Hood Shavino. I mean, we didn't know that he had any particularly great chance, but you get in the game, relationships develop, maybe a score or two that's really, you know, elite moves on to somebody else and all of a sudden you're the you're the favorite. And that's kind of what happened with Jalen Hood Shafino and now with Carly Evans, his teammate is, is Jalen, so that's a little bit of an recruiting advantage that you have maybe over a few other schools. Mike, one other basketball player I want to ask about. I don't know that there's any connection between him and Indiana, but you'll know the rumor mill much more than I. Luke Brown of Blackford really captured the uh, the hearts and the support of a lot of fans across our state because of how he played the game and specifically how he shot the basketball. And every time I would see him play, and he came to New Albany yeah. and, and played, People wanted to know why uh, Matt. Why why is he not getting some Big Ten interest just just because of his shooting ability? Uh, now he is already announced uh, he's going to leave Stetson. He's entered the transfer portal. I've heard rumblings about some in-state schools, maybe Purdue interested. What have you heard about the uh, sharp shooting Luke Brown that uh, could maybe mean he comes back to the Midwest or the state of Indiana? Uh, well, my first thought was. Ball State because of where it's at and then his, um, you know, I think he may have a girlfriend there or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's a lot of his. Um, but I've not really heard anything about Indiana per se. Um, I think he's still a little physically too small for the Big Ten. You have to be absolutely exceptional in some aspects of the game, either be an exceptional passer, ball handler, or exceptional shooter. He's a really nice player, but physically, I'm not sure he's at the IU level, especially now that Indiana has Jalen Hood-Safino and guys like Jeremy Spears and three or four other guys they've offered from that 23 class that, you know, I would think they would be able to land one of those. I don't know that Indiana would be interested unless it's a walk-on situation, and I don't know if his family would want to pay for his college. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be interesting to see where – uh, Luke Brown does land. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com. My guests were talking some IU hoops in this segment. Uh, th- this is just a fun preseason fodder here, but Andy Katz had his first preseason March Madness bracket here to uh, get everybody excited about the season that's still a month and a half or so away. Uh, I believe I saw Indiana was a five seed in his projections. So uh, Andy is high on Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers. Do you uh, encourage IU fans to temper from that type of expectation, not just making the tournament but being a five seed? Or from what you've seen and learned in the Bahamas and know about this team so far, could that be a possibility for IU hoops this winter? Well, there'll need a lot of ifs to come true. Uh, I kind of went into the Bahamas trip thinking number six of the, you know, in the Big Ten. It's, you know, uh, I had to pick, and I came out of there thinking, well, that team's a little bit better than I thought. Maybe number five, you know, would be conservative. And once you get up into the top five of the Big Ten, a number five seed is realistic. So um, maybe I do see that, but they have to stay healthy on uh, all those all those big ifs. But I liked what. We saw in some of the way that some of the new guys kind of filled um, missing uh, missing things from the, the past teams. Mike, I promised someone I would ask you today any update at all on Noah Clowney and his recruitment, a big 2022 prospect still out there with the potential to come to Indiana. Yeah, he's visiting Alabama this weekend, and um, I think Indiana has a great chance to land him um, based on what we hear from people down that way, but 
you know, with another visit yet to go, and Alabama's obviously really good recruiting success of late um, with uh, Nate Oates. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, he'll take in a football game and all that. So that'll be obviously cool to see. But Indiana's done a really good job with him, um, and I think they have as good a chance as anyone. Most definitely. MikePegramPeaks.com. You can check out the Peaks website. That's P-E-E-G-S.com for coverage of IU football and basketball. Mike, as always, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, and we'll catch up next week. All right, man. Take care. That's going to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the program. Stay with us. We've got a jam-packed week coming up on Wednesday. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times joins the program. Also tomorrow we'll talk with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We'll catch you up on all the high school football and local sports storylines. Thursday, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is with us. And Friday, we get you ready for high school football with some other guests on IU football and IU basketball as well. Uh, Just your place to be each day at 11 a.m. for coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a local perspective here in southern Indiana as well. Great show today with Rick Bozich and Mike Pegram. If you missed any part of it, check us out as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Leave us a rating, also a review. That'll help us connect with others that might be interested in a radio show and podcast about IU basketball and Southern Indiana sports. Have a great Tuesday. I'll be back Wednesday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.